Welcome to our podcast where we will be talking about life and all its flavors in the hopes of making ripples with words. I'm your host, Catherine, and today we will be literally talking about flavors because this episode will be all about Filipino cuisine and cooking. Hence, we will be joined by our guest who works as a cook and hopes to be a part of furthering the hashtag Filipino food movement in North America to support Filipino cuisine's necessity-based identity to its eventual transformation as gourmet or avant-garde food. Let's welcome Mr. Adrian Carrillo. Hi, Adrian. Hello. How's, How's it everyone? Going? Oh, I'm good. Not too bad. Very good, very good. How's <laughs> <laughs> your uh, Same thing. So, yes. Uh, stressful Arriving? because of the pandemic. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. that's true. That's true. Okay, so Adrian, just for context for the listeners, um, see Adrian, I first met him. Was it during high school, grade 11? 12, I think, grade 12. Oh, grade 12, man. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> and I think we first met at cafeteria during high school, was that right? Yeah, yeah. lunchtime. I was a loner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, well, I felt that. It's all good. Okay, naman yun. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad life. <laughs> so, um, maybe you want to tell us about yourself, Adrian, just to start us off? Yeah, so. We're both based in Edmonton. I've been here for like how long? Seven? Seven oh, years. Well, yeah. seven years, but I've been nine years. Yeah, you know, I've been here seven years. It's like mm-hmm. culture shock. First two years, you don't know what to oh. eat. <laughs> yeah, alam natin yan. It's 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 good. You know, season different. Yeah. Hindi masyadong mainit. Ay, that's true. At least hindi masyadong pinagpapawisan. In, in a couple of days during the year, that's, that's it. Time, it's just winter. <laughs> yeah. So actually, maybe you wanna also what you do in your downtime. Maybe you have little hobbies here and there. Oh, uh, literally, mostly about cooking, like researching, trying new recipes and stuff. We did a pop-up like a few months ago. Yeah, I ng laing inside Ooh. ravioli and mm-hmm. the other people that I do pop up with they're trying to push the same thing right mm-hmm. it's good is this when <laughs> like is it one of our food festivals here in Edmonton no uh, we do it like once every month sometimes two months uh, it's gone now for <laughs> for now at least <laughs> I saw that on social media yung bayanihan bayon because I yes, was planning bayanihan. to go there in essence ng bayanihan yeah. help each other exactly Filipino cuisine above everything else, the same level as French, Chinese, Japanese, right? Yeah, that's the goal. Yes. <clears throat> and actually I wanna ask, since you talked about yung bayanihan before the because I know it was around like March 13, 14 when when school was suspended for me. That's alamko, I think it was a couple days after that when the bayanihan happens. Am I correct? Oh, uh, we cancelled that. It was supposed oh, to yeah. be March 18. Noche Buena Pasco edition. So December. Yeah. Yung last mm-hmm. namin. Oh, that was the last. Uh, was it like... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was almost like an exhibition, if you will. Yeah. 
So when you did it, um, do you represent businesses or it's just more like people coming together and cooking food for everybody? Well, we just want to represent Filipino food as a whole. Eventually, different sectors, you'll have different, like we have a lot of regions in the Philippines. Like 17 if not, mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. We're going to And kami is from different provinces, so you'll have different versions of every dish that we can make. Well, that's so cool. Limang klase ng adobo, six kinds ng takbet. It's different. Yeah. Very diverse. Do you actually want to talk about these different versions of adobo and how they're like from every region? Because I'm not very familiar. I feel like I only know the classic, in quotation marks, adobo. Classic is chicken adobo for everyone, right? So, mm-hmm. from the Chinese, they brought their braised chicken. Actually, if you search it up in Google, Chinese braised, uh, soy braised chicken. Similar yung ingredients, except for some of the spices, because we only use what, pepper and uh, bay leaf mm-hmm. for our spices, right? Yes. They'll have star anise, they'll have nutmeg on theirs. Mm-hmm. But the process is same. You braise the yeah. chicken in soy sauce. We add our vinegar, right? Yeah. It's just that the name is from the Spanish yeah. I see. So their version of adobo, which is marinated in a dark sauce. Uh, in Mexico they call it kinda like mole. That's the counterpart of adobo? No, it's just yun yung basis ng name. I see. Because I was thinking if I see mole, I think of chocolate, but it's like spiced chocolate kind of sauce. Is that right? That's another misconception of mole hundreds of different kinds of mole. You'll have mole almendrado, more, mole rojo, mole verde, and mole negro. Mole negro is the chocolate Ooh. with spices. And then mole verde is green mole. Mole mm. rojo is red mole. There's another mole is uh, mole amarillo, is yellow. Yeah. And then almendrado is almond-based mole, close to uh, Romanesco sauce. What is Romanesco sauce? It's almost like pesto, but mm-hmm. it's roasted peppers, garlic, garlic oil, olive oil, uh, garlic olive oil, then toasted almonds, and a little bit oh. of tomato. So, yun yung similarities marami. So, you're saying the, the name mole is more definitive of the process of making that sauce? Is that what it is? Yes. But there's like different versions of it. Mole is, mo- like in Spanish, is molido, is to grind or to make a paste. Oh, I did not know that. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> New information. <laughs> then adobo is to marinate with yeah. spice paste. Adobar, right? Adobar in uh, Spanish. You marinate oh, and, then you, and then you cook it. So True. dark yung has a dark sauce, which mm-hmm. is it looks similar to our adobo, but the process of making it and the ingredients are basically Chinese the Chinese uh, soy braised chicken. Got ginger, garlic, onions, and then your spices, yeah, soy sauce and the uh, vinegar. Actually, now it makes me curious since you've uh-huh. mentioned the um, sort of origins from the Chinese version of adobo i don't think i see it anywhere that's uh, where chinese food is being sold na ganun yung recipe it's just called differently right the basic name in google is gonna be soy braised chicken so actually just deviating a little bit from that what led you to this career path of 
cooking? Is this something you plan for the long term? Did you always know, or was this a passion you developed over time, a little later in your life? Uh, were you inspired by certain individuals, someone in your own life, in your personal life, or someone who's popular in pop culture, or something like that? Uh, you know, lang first dish na niluto ko is adobo. Mm-hmm. That's what oh. started everything. I cooked adobo with my lolo. Mm-hmm. Taught me how he make how he makes his adobo. I still think like my favorite type of adobo is you braise the pork in soy vinegar and garlic hanggang sa maubos yung sauce niya and then it fries in its own fat. So it's like a reduction, right? That's what they do I think in the northern part because yung lolo ko is from Ilocos. I've been into cooking ever since I was when was that 12. Oh, so that's when it started when you were 12 years old. That's when it started and out of necessity for me to cuz firstborn you have to cook for your sister <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can't, uh, you cool, can't yeah. go without <clears throat> they're working 9 to 5 jobs kailangan pagdating nila handa na hapunan magiiwan lang sila ng pera i'll go to the convenience store or like the may talipapa malapit sa amin i'll just go there hindi ka we're on the same town aren't we kainta yes yeah so palengke yon yeah So actually, you said like that your Lolo taught you how to cook. During this time, like, were you just helping in the prep, or they just kind of throw you into the deep end and said, "Oh, luto kana, balakan na jan." We started it together and finished the whole dish. So mula prep hanggang sa kakain na until hamang yes. ready. Step <laughs> by step, sinamahan niya ako. Like how like, much water? You... Like ganto karaming toyo. Is it actually measured or it's more eyeballing for you? Medyo measured because mm-hmm. yung ginagamit namin kawali is is yung yun lang ang ginagam, ginagamit namin kawali for adobo. <laughs> And then pag magluto ka ng adobo uh, laging dalawang kilo lang. Oh, that's specific? Yeah. Is it like a wok? Or parang mm. pundido? Yung ano, uh, wok, parang wok. I see. Okay. So I'm gonna ask you You know, as someone who cooks quite a bit and was pretty much familiar with um, Filipino cooking, what ingredients do you think make Filipino cuisine stand out to you? Ingredients: garlic, prominent use mm-hmm. of garlic in every cuisine, uh, every regional cuisine that we have in the Philippines is garlic, and bagoong, put bagoong in everything. Yeah, <laughs> every, even dessert. <laughs> So just for the listeners, bagoong is a kind of fermented fish paste, right? Fermented fish or shrimp. That in mm-hmm. Italy they also make bagoong. Oh, you make your own bagoong? Yeah, but in Italy they make their own bagoong too. Oh, I think. Are you talking about the, the? I think that's like the earliest version of fermented fish or shrimp paste before yeah. it spread around the world. Yeah. Yeah. The commercial one, of course, it's gonna be filtered. But the one that I have at home, the one that we have at home, is just basically salt and fish. Do you put any more to it, like probiotics and that kind of thing? Because I think some people do, at least in on an industrial scale. Industrial scale, they'll use some kind of uh, yeast activators, mm-hmm. para mas mabilis mag ferment. If you make borong kanin, 
don't know if you've heard of burung kanin before. It's one of the dishes that a lot of people in the north eat. Do they eat it by itself or pang ano din siya? Um, it's for a side dish or for dips and stuff. Because I no. only ever read about it, pero I never tried it. I've never seen it. I don't know what it is. More like an appetizing condiment. Like if you have a charcuterie, they'll give you jams and stuff. If mm-hmm. I'm gonna make a Filipino charcuterie board, I'll put duro. Uh-huh. So it's an appetizing thing, right? It sets up the mood for the rest of the dishes. Oh, actually, can you maybe recommend things to pair it with in a Filipino-style sense? Because I really have no clue. I can learn uh, from you there. From a puro, what would I eat it with? I'll I'll have tempura vegetables. Be good. Because mm. it's neutral. You mm. have we can have grilled vegetables and pickled vegetables with it. And then sa amin sa tarlac, grew up in tarlac. We eat it with what, fish, mm. all kinds of like grilled, fried, oh. all kinds of fish, dying fish, fish dying. It's good. Oh, oh my gosh! Actually, that sounds good. Yes, I think like that's something we eat for lunch or dinner. Yung paggusto mo lang mabilis na kainan, tas mabilis ang iluto, no? Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's actually pretty cool. Uh, maybe you can also talk about on certain Filipino ingredients, let's say yung bagoong nga, or maybe even other ones that you know of, and provide us some historical background to them in the regional sense, or maybe even from way back during our colonization period in the Philippines with the Spaniards, or even with the Americans, that I may not be aware of. For the listeners as well. Ingredient. Suka. Let's start with suka. With vinegar. Mm-hmm. Right? Northern part is going to be sugarcane based. Yes. Fermented sugarcane. So, Ilocos, Tarlac, the onion, Pangasinan. In that region, your yeah. vinegar is going to be sugarcane based. And then you go to the south, region 4A, especially Batangas, that side, Sambumaraming. Pineapple plantation. They'll have vinegar, uh, pineapple-based vinegars, fermented pineapple juice. And then Region 5, which is Bicol, Bicol region, you'll have coconut-based. Maraming klase ng suka. I don't know everything. But suka, Iloko, you have tuba, you have sasa. Like, a lot of different, right? Different kinds of uh, suka. So, what, whatever kind of juice like they make. Region 3, yeah. you'll have rice vinegar because... It's the rice capital of the Philippines. Actually, now it makes me wonder. Mentioned a lot of sources for suka, like different variations. How do you actually derive the acidity products? Let's say with coconut. Parang I don't necessarily see the acidic part of it. So, pano yun? Pano yun nangyari? From coconut, you can get two kinds of suka. One from the coconut water. Then you isa from the coconut sap, you ferment. So magiging lambanog muna siya bago siya maging suka. So Adrian, we're talking about lambanog and you saying that becomes vinegar. Tumadaan muna siya as lambanog. And in that period, it's still alcoholic, right? Do you know the process it to become, you know, vinegar? How does that look like? It's the same as, ano, same as uh, when you're making red wine vinegar mm-hmm. over aging. You're gonna ferment mm-hmm. it and then you're gonna age it. You keep it in yeah. uh, the bottle or salmon. Uh, in the north, we use tapayan, which is a fermenting jar. 
another thing. Side note. Tapai means to ferment. Tinapai is leavened bread because you use yeast to ferment the bread, the dough. Oh my gosh, what? Ang galing. Wow, I didn't even think of it that way. But you said tapayan is a container of sorts where you It's a ferment. fermenting jar, yeah. What material is it? I'm assuming... Clay. 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 Oh, clay. Do you know if it makes for a superior medium for fermenting or it's just what's widely available in that region specifically? Well, it's big, so you can they can make a lot of it. I think that's what they they had available at that time. It has its own bacteria and uh, elements in the clay that helps with aging. Everything contributes. Whatever vessel you use, it contributes. It's pretty neutral, but it has some elements to it. Do you know, though, if there's anybody here that's in Edmonton selling these things um, commercially? Because I'm not aware. Here? Mm-mm. Maybe they you can find those uh, kimchi jars, which is the closest one you can find. What's a kimchi jar? How like does that a, look like? It's like a ceramic uh, jar with a lid, basically. You ferment uh, vegetables inside and then it has a weight. You put in weight. That's the closest thing that looks mm-hmm. like for, for a tapayan. Oh, I see. So do you know with the fermentation process, like how long does that take to, to, that, to that point comes vinegar? Or there are intervals where it's sealed, that was it's exposed again, then it's sealed and exposed again. Maybe bang specifics? Actually, it depends on how to ferment. I'm going to experiment for how to ferment and getting there. For, for vinegar, there's a you need to have the mother vinegar, what they call it. It's the starter. It's like uh, sourdough bread, like pandemic people. They're having their <laughs> sourdough bread starter, okay? So you have the equivalent of that. You call it mm-hmm. the mother vinegar for suka. That's your starter mm-hmm. for the vinegar. It makes it faster. I see. So, what can you say are your top three Filipino dishes or desserts or whatever it is? Do you think they are the ones that... Filipinos in general should market to everyone else who's not Filipino? Or are you just more emotionally attached to these dishes? Well, it's gonna be both for adobo, right? For me. (laughs) I would say it's top one, but you have to uh, think about the other... Like, adobo is the basic one because you can make vegetable adobo like kangkong and sitaw. Vegetable yeah. now, you can make adobo. For yes. the rest of the dishes, it's hard. Because Bawat region ng Pilipinas is different. And do you think it makes it harder the fact that we actually live here and some of these ingredients in our staple dishes are not endemic, or maybe it's easily they're more easily substituted now, which is not too bad. What do you think? Well, Filipino food and cuisine has always thrived under those circumstances, right? Adaptation and assimilating and, you know, borrowing mm-hmm. uh, ingredients and cuisines from other countries. Pre-colonial is going to be the spice trade in Southeast and like maybe whole of Asia. Then you have the spice trade route during the colonial times from Mexico, right, to yeah. the Philippines. Yeah. I don't know if it's just me, but I feel like um, in terms of what people generally know of our history, with Filipinos then, 
na parang hindi masyadong na-highlight na we've interacted with Mexicans. Yeah, but yeah, we interacted with Mexicans a lot. More yeah. than what we thought through food because of the spice trade route. So they'll be they'll bring their what do we use for caracari? Achote, right? Oh. They call achote. It's from uh, South America. Achote, yeah. Like a lot of spices you have a lot of kinds of chilies. Then yeah. what, what do we give them? <laughs> what do we give them? Bananas. We have a lot of bananas, mangoes, rice. They don't have a lot of rice there. Ano pa bang, sino ba bang mahilig sa banana ketchup? I think Caribbean oh people my, eat banana they ketchup. They do? I, don't, I thought it was just a Filipino thing. Oh, it was a Filipino thing because World War II, we ran out of tomatoes. So they had to make ketchup. They used bananas in food coloring. Existence of banana ketchup is because of short supply of tomato ketchup. Yeah. But in terms yeah. of flavor... What can you say is the difference for anyone who hasn't really tried banana ketchup? Because I think that sounds weird if you're not Filipino. I've been mocked for using banana ketchup in my spaghetti, but you use what's available for you, eh? What, what, is, what is available to you? Please talk about Nothing, that. Eh? Like, last year when Jollibee first opened, was mm. this person like, how crazy it is. Why do you put hot dogs and banana ketchup in your spaghetti? Like in my head, like I answered back, go to Italy. <laughs> They use sausages, yeah. Calabrian sausage. It's the True. same thing. You just take it out of the casing, but we don't have we don't have the Calabrian sausage. We use our hot dogs, mm-hmm. the cheapest meat that we can afford, or uh, we, it's yeah. pretty accessible, right? So that's what we put yeah. in our spaghetti. It's the same idea yeah. using sausage, but mm-hmm. we have hot dogs. Ketchup, uh, using ketchup, I think banana ketchup is Filipino for spaghetti, mm-hmm. but using ketchup in spaghetti is not as taboo. Pretty sure a lot of people yeah. in North America, but a lot of people around Asia, because I know Japanese people use ketchup in their spaghetti. Because it's not substitute for tomato sauce, for example. Yes, uh, basically it's the same. It just has vinegar and sugar, right? Although I quite find it generally Filipino red spaghetti is on the sweeter side. And while your traditional Italian is more sour, I don't think it's salty either, but I just feel like ours is more flavorful. What do you think? Well, it's different. Filipino spaghetti is... Banana ketchup is sweeter than tomato ketchup. Just look at it that way. So naturally... Yung Filipino spaghetti is gonna be sweeter. I don't know where sweet things came from from the Filipinos. I don't know what our obsession is with sweet things. But <laughs> a lot of people put condensed milk in their spaghetti sauce. It's a thing. Oh my gosh. I haven't tried it myself. It's a secret yes. ingredient. Oh, so there you go. You just spilled the tea. So there's condensed milk sometimes. Okay. Yeah. I'll say most of the time. If you see it, it looks like a little bit creamier. Hindi siya masyadong mapulak, like med- medyo orange. It has condensed milk. Also, parang rosé pasta. It's just sweet though. Yeah, but less rosé. Little darker. Actually, besides adobo, would you actually, one of your top three is the spaghetti? Or maybe you have another top two or top, say, in the desserts or viands main dishes? Something that very unique. Not really unique, but like street vendors that sell grilled, skewered everything. Would you give us examples? Uh, it just uh, shows you the adaptability of Filipino cuisine. You can make 25 different kinds of skewers from one chicken. Oh, because of the sauce, isn't it? Different parts. Similar to Japanese yakitori, you'll have different parts of the chicken. Mm-hmm. Same with Filipino barbecue. You have different parts of chicken, pork, and beef. You'll have ulo, helmet. We call it helmet. Then you have the neck, the butchi, the skin, balun balunan. You have picho, 
yung pakpak, yung isaw, that part is the itlugan, adobong itlugan. The, basically, the uterus where there's like undeveloped eggs. Oh my yeah. gosh, I don't know that exists. Well, if you hang out with people <laughs> who does cockfighting for a living, then yeah. Oh, oh, so are you? <laughs> I'm not. My grandpa's friends and his uncles and his cousins are all cockfighters. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> kaya pala. So, what makes you think that they stand out? Is it because is it because of the adaptability? If let's say foreigners were to consider eating Filipino food, what defines Filipino food is basically the cook. If you're a foreigner coming to the Philippines, learn how to eat the dish. Or if if a Filipino person is offering you Filipino food, have the decency to ask how to eat something, right? Because when you say flavor, for me, it's not just the taste. When you say flavor, it's the full experience. You have aroma, you have the experience, you have the tactile touch, you have the texture in your mouth, like what you yeah. call it, the mouthfeel. So it's an overall sensory experience. Hindi lang sa bibigyon. Like there's other things. There's the visual. There's mm-hmm. the the smell part, and you know the experience in itself. Eh? Yeah. Do you think that makes it more an authentic way to be acquainted with Filipino food? Not just you know, it's just a commodity. It's just food, and that's it. Yeah. If you're gonna eat in Cebu, they call tuslubua, right? You have gravy made out of brain, and they're gonna give you steamed rice na nakabalot sa palm leaves. So mukasang suman, you dip it into the gravy. You use your hands. That's the whole experience of it. It would taste different if you use spoon and fork or a knife. Wait, isn't this budol budol fight or not quite? No, uh, different. As tuslubua is in besides tuslub just to dip in bubbling gravy. Budol fight is Philippine army way of eating. It shows their camaraderie and uh, brotherhood. A pile of food in front of everyone. You have banana leaves laid out in our version. Mm-hmm. Then you're eating from the same pile of food. Uh, what does it show? Everybody's equal. No one's above anyone. You're all family, basically. Yeah. They do the same thing in India, I think, in some parts of India, where they'll have during a uh, communal dining plate. They do it during banquets or weddings and stuff like that, and festivals. That's like that's the only time where it doesn't matter if you're a Brahmin or not, if you have money or not, because you're basically eating in the same communal table. Not even a table. It's like everybody's sitting on the floor, and then you have the food on banana leaves. And actually, you also say that um, the way we eat traditionally is pretty much reflective of our collective and family values, like in other aspects in our society as well. Like the way we eat traditionally, one leg up. Yeah, it's just the the humble way of eating, right? Everybody's at the table. You wait for each other to start before you start eating. In a Catholic family, such a strong, strong contrast to the Western way of eating, which feels a little more formal than us being more casual. It's more like a bonding time, almost, if you will. You hang around, you talk. Yeah, they would look at us as barbarians or walang manners, the table manners, uncivilized, <laughs> uncivilized pigs. <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's actually true in our history, right? Yeah. That's basically what it is. Eat with your hands is good sometimes. Yeah, you have to wash your hands. It's COVID. What's your pick for dessert, man? For dessert, something that's very Filipino: mango float or crema de fruta. Very innovative. Anyone can make it. I'm not even sure what it like where the name came from. It's like mango float. Maybe because the mango is on top of the cream. 
it looks like it's floating. Can you describe to the listeners what this is? Mango float is graham crackers, cream, mango. Basically, that's what it is. Yeah. So you have graham crackers with, like, you'll crush it with butter, make a crust. Mm-hmm. And you'll have condensed and whipping cream if you do it here. You can use an all-purpose mm-hmm. cream. Put that, you just basically layer that cream, mango, and then uh, more graham crackers, cream, mango until you you finish the whole thing put it in the fridge yeah. and it's, set. it's a fridge cake oh yeah like a no bake fridge cake you know let it set right mm-hmm. so it keeps its shape and that kind of thing so it's like a lasagna dessert yeah i'd say it is or lasagna <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I want to ask you because I find like there is a difference between the mango float we can make here versus in the Philippines. Because in the Philippines, there's the specific kind of mango that you have to use and it's usually fresh. Unlike here, I find it harder to come by and a lot of people resort to dried mangoes. What can you say in terms of differences in flavor profile? Or similarities or the original recipe superior than the one that has been tweaked here? What do you think? What are your thoughts? I've never tried using the dried mango, so I don't know what to say about that. Haven't you tried one? No, I haven't tried dried mangoes on the cake. Nico so you panna- just always use fresh? Yeah, I use what I find. But also there's like the ataulfo mango, which I-, which I think is the closest to the Philippine yellow mango that we have. But it's more common to get the green-red mango here. Like, what do you think? Do you actually use that? An Ameri- like South American mango, I think. Uh, it has a different flavor. Yeah. It doesn't have that acidity that you want from the mango. It's a different kind of sweetness. Para sa akin, it tastes like ano ba, parang gamot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Parang antibiotic. Yeah. If you've been sick so, a lot. So, but you still use that when you make it here? I try to find the best mango I can have. Does it work for you? For me, I'll try to make it work. <laughs> you have to. That's the nature of us. Whatever you get. Maybe I'll try that new dried mango. Yeah, and actually let me know what you think. Because maybe you might like it. You might. I don't know. I, I think that it's the texture for me that's slightly off-putting. Because the flavor for me is there. Because it's dried, right? So it's pretty much concentrated. Most of the water's out. It's just that it's a little fibrous as opposed to soft and, you know, a little plump. Because <laughs> there's still the water in there. Well, maybe you can rehydrate it, boil it in a little bit of water, then use that syrup, cool down the syrup, yeah. use that syrup to sweeten the cream. That's what I would do, maybe. Actually, ooh, that's a good idea. Wouldn't it affect the consistency of the cream, though? Baka it will loosen it up a little too much? I don't think it will. Pag reduce the juice, niya, mm-hmm. like the boiling water, you know, rehydrate, boil the mango. Once it's rehydrated enough, take it out, reduce the thing, then cool it yeah. down. You Try it like a tiramisu style. Dip your graham crackers oh. in that syrup yeah. instead of... Right? Okay, if, let's say let's go that route, right? Like use the water or the, the syrup. syrup out of the dried mangoes. Then incorporate it the graham crackers. So this time you're not crushing it. It's gonna be like the actual wafers in their intact form. Like tiramisu, you have the ladyfinger wafers, right? That sounds like a good idea. Saying things on the top of my head, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how nice. it tastes like... We'll see. Yes, improv. <laughs> yeah, you should do it. You should do it sometime and like put an update on your IG. Yeah, I'm not good at dessert. We'll get there. What's your specialty, ba? I'm not sure. Proteins. Oh. <laughs> to have a specialty, I still want to learn everything. So there's more to learn for you? Always, always more to learn. Nice. So moving on, a little bit off of that. Kanina, we talked about adobo, right? And how... 
we have our version and another country has a version and that kind of thing which is very reflective of our very diverse and rich cultural background because we've come from different parts of the world if you will yeah what can you say about let's say curry versus kare kare are they in any way related to each other or it's just a misnomer kare kare is a kind of curry if you think of it because in japanese pronunciation of curry you say kare you know kare kare is like a mockery and you double the words in uh, in our language oh, no. british came in for two years and they love curry they occupied oh, they manila do. for two years yeah and they love curry they were looking for curry and this is the best that people in the philippines could give them oh my god is kare kare it's a mock curry peanut butter based it's not solely filipino because peanuts is like a huge thing in southeast asia thai yeah. curry uses uh, there's a specific type of thai curry that uses peanut butter then you have in indonesia and malaysia you use the peanut sauce for your satay so yeah, you know, peanuts that is the base of that this is our curry but yeah. a mock curry right <laughs> yeah but in terms of flavor profile they're very different though i think between like japanese curry indian curry and our kare kare yes ours is very bland compared to yes. this because we only use one kind of spice Which is, which is achote from yeah. the Americas. That's to emulate yeah. the color of curry that the British know. They know curry to yeah. be like orangey, so that's what Mm-mm. the Filipinos tried to make an orangey gravy to make kare kare. So would you say the mimicry of curry from other countries like India and Japan is more based on the color and the perceived consistency than flavors? I would say yes. This is what we have right now. Throw it up based on how the British described curry. Because curry is not even a word in the Indian language. I did not know that. Can you explain further? They'll have tikka, chat masala, or whatever kind of masala they're gonna make. Curry is the umbrella word that British came up with to describe something that has a lot of spices and thick gravy. I didn't know that. So the term curry is appropriated by the British. Yes. I actually, in addition to that, since you mentioned tikka masala, isn't tikka masala actually made by the British and loosely inspired off of Indian cuisine? But it's not in Indian cuisine originally. It's an Indian person who made it in the UK. Yeah, okay. It's their national dish, what we know as a uh, chicken tikka masala or butter chicken. What they call it? They are the same? They're the same. It's like different. I don't know. Oh the other one's English. I didn't know that. Tikka masala. In India, they call it murg makani. Well, I don't know how to say it. Like, oh. Murg makani, which is butter-based gravy. That's good to know. I didn't know that. Wow. Thank you. And what can you say about chow mein, which is from the Chinese, versus pancit? Or you can even throw in your spring rolls, your Chinese spring rolls versus our lumpia. Our lumpia is the same. It's like a thin pastry, basically what it means, right? Wrapped in thin mm-hmm. pastry is lumpia. So they call it the same thing in Indonesia, Malaysia. Oh, they do? Oh. They do. There's a lot of Chinese settlers there. Mm-hmm. And they call it the same thing in Belgium and the Netherlands because of the, okay. Chinese, because of the Chinese settlers that went to Belgium and Netherlands and Indonesian settlers, right? Mm-mm. But would you say like the flavor profiles, the ingredients, they're all different from each other? Uh, it depends on the region. So, satin, you'll have different kinds of lumpia from north to south. You might get palm, ubud, palm tree, you know, ubud, yeah. 
like the shoot or for have... lumpiang sariwa ba to? It could be lumpiang sariwa or yung fried lumpia. I don't want to refer to it as lumpiang Shanghai <laughs> because it's not from Shanghai, China. Oh, that's true. But we call it that. In terms of pancit and chow mein, I would say the closest thing to chow mein is pancit canton because chow mein, pancit, we just, we own the word. It's our um, umbrella term for noodles, right? It's like curry yeah. for, for the British. So, yeah, pancit canton, which is Cantonese-style noodles. Yeah. So it's canton. Yeah, chow mein. Actually, in my head, when I hear people say pancit canton, I think of the instant one. I don't think I've ever exactly encountered an actual pancit canton dish that's made from scratch. Canton is the kind of noodle. It's like the Cantonese-style noodle. Egg noodles, I think. Ooh. Basically, the chow mein noodles that we use. Pancit canton and the chow mein noodles. Oh, different gosh, with okay. different size, but same ingredients. So actually, um, when it comes to Filipino food, is there anything you know about or can comment when it comes to class distinction based on food? What kinds of foods are more available or made more often by maybe people from the lower classes versus the ones who are well off? If we have any of that um, in general. It depends. I'd say lechon because it's expensive. Yeah. You can make your own lechon. That's why a lot of people do the lechon kawali. It's like an adaptation of lechon. Portions. It's a smaller portion. Mm-hmm. You'll have a lot of uh, vegetables. For the less fortunate, it's going to be more vegetables. But it's switching now. It's more junk food. Oh, that's you know, It's not good. It breaks your heart. For some reason, but for some reason, like healthy living, if you will, is getting more expensive than... I'm not sure, maybe this is inaccurate, but it's more ng meat when it comes to us or even people who live in the Philippines than actual gulai like is it also because of prices mainly or it's just more like a taste preference no people in the Philippines say gulai is cheaper but not a lot of people know how to work with gulai if you have money why not get meat it's a treat yeah everyday joke So much sodium. Oh, we do, we do. The food right now. And aside from the salt, yeah. there's like a lot of monosodium glutamate or vetsin. Vetsin? Vetsin, vetsin is Chinese, like, yeah. but it's it's not even the problem. It's a flavor enhancer. They demonize it. This is, I'm sorry, but like white people demonize MSG. It's addictive, right? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that notion that monosodium glutamate is bad like um, came from this one research paper now. It's not even peer-reviewed, but someone claimed, oh, it causes this, it's ca- it causes cancer. But it wasn't really backed up, but people in the West ate it up. They demonized it. Um, yeah. They don't want if... Chinese restaurants to flourish. Ooh. Yeah, oh, like in the West. Here's in the West, yeah. Actually, I find it hypocritical because, you know, aspartame, right? <laughs> Yes. And it's we find it everywhere in most food items around here and there's like a lot of research to back up that it does cause cancer in a sense like it does contribute to that significantly but they don't really emphasize that because they're like oh alternative sugar it's healthier for you and like monosodium glutamate iba iba yeah but this aspartame it's a flavor enhancer it's sweet but it's not sugar right? I think it's a sugar alcohol am I correct I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure. I might have to verify. But I think it's a sugar alcohol. Let me look right now. It has the sweetness, but yeah, no, no calories. It. it has no none of the True. sugar calories. Oh yeah, it says sugar alcohols and artificial alcohols and artificial sweeteners such as saccharin, which is the sweet and low one, and aspartame are not one and the same. Oh, they're not one and the same. Okay, <laughs> so it's not a sugar alcohol, but you know it does the same thing. Would you like to educate us on MSG 
how it relates to our cuisine as well. MSG is an extract. It's been extracted from natural. It's a naturally existing element in all the food that we have. Mm. You wouldn't think that tomatoes would have a lot mm. of yeah. MSG in it, but if you concentrate it, sun-dried tomatoes, or if you make tomato paste, then you'll taste how much MSG there is. It's the umami. What they call it in Japan is the umami. Umami, fa- uh, umami factor because yeah. it activates your salivary glands and makes you crave for more. That's what MSG does. It's a flavor enhancer. Yeah. It's not bad because it occurs in everything, basically everything yeah. that we do. Because honestly, it's an organic compound though. It's like a kind of protein or some amino acid complex. It is uh, yeah. Glutamic acid is the basis of it. Then they just formed it into like salt. Extract. Um, they extracted it for- and then... Yeah, that's what it is. Just saying that uh, manufactured as um, as salt in a sense uh, for stability purposes as well. Yeah, like it's cheaper than salt in in mm-hmm. like back in the day because salt used to like salt and sugar used to be as expensive as gold at one point in time. Oh yeah, true that. You get MSG is way cheaper than just use this and you don't need a lot to have the same level of saltiness it's a flavor enhancer you get that extra flavor from it let's talk about the present breakthroughs and marketing strategies of filipino cuisine in the west do you think filipino recipes can be partially replicated with more easily available ingredients here and if you think they are maybe you can give an example of a recipe roughly and almost like take us through how it's made if we were making it here instead of in the Philippines. You can basically get anything from any part of the world now because of globalization. So there's a lot of wiggle room, right? Yeah. You can make it as authentic as you can. You can get Filipino toyo, Filipino soka, get garlic, onions, ginger are all imported here anyway from where we are. I don't are. think it's just a it's just not a Filipino thing. I, I mean they infuse it in a lot of cuisines now, I feel mm-hmm. like. It's not as hard to make adobo now, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> like maybe in the old times all you can go to here is Walmart. <laughs> I know what that is. TNT, walang lucky supermarket. Yeah. Now we have Seafood City, yes. Yeah, it just opened. Hey, when was that? Two weeks ago. Pretty new. Yeah. I just go there for chicharron. <laughs> and then they didn't buy. We had like the Lechon Kawali Ata, and it's so good. Even if Hindisha, even if it's kind of old when you've already refrigerated it, but when you reheat mm-hmm. it and fry it again, it's good as new. In fact, even better. So I'd strongly recommend your food. At least that. Yeah, I go there for chicharron bulaklak. It's hard to get. Wait, has chicken skin? Nope. It's oh. the connective tissue in between the intestines. Oh my gosh. Then they deep fry it. Yeah. And you you know, it's best paired with suka with some... Oh, vinegar with some... What beer? do you call it? Onions? Oh, beer. <laughs> okay. So I'd also ask, um, on top of that, since we're talking about accessibility of ingredients, on a more business scale... Aside from just within your household, do you think it's feasible to sell Filipino food here in the West to the masses while keeping the quality similar or almost the exact same while keeping the costs down or reasonable as well? Like, what's your opinion on this? Well, you can find local growers. Of, uh, you can find the best pork or the best garlic like right around you. Mm. What makes Filipino food Filipino food is the cook. Mm. So how they can get creative with what we already have and still make it as a thing, right? 
Exactly. He'll stick to a little bit of the traditions, not the traditional way of cooking, but traditional flavors. What we're pushing through is a Filipino cuisine that is not bound by tradition. So you want to be more innovative. That's kind of the direction the Philippines is trying to go for, besides being Filipino. No, we want to flourish. We want to be at the same pedestal as Chinese, Japanese, and French. It's just hard here in the West to apply your Filipino or Chinese techniques because it's very Eurocentric. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's going to be most of the chefs that I work for. This is the French way. Mm. Oh. This is the French way of cooking this or cutting this or making this. And then they'll try to make something that has... They'll put a little bit of sesame oil and soy sauce and call it Chinese. It has the sesame sauce, other sesame oil... And a little bit of soy sauce. They call it Asian, Asian, Asian slaw. Oh my goodness. It's very bastardized. It's hard to mm-hmm. look at. Mm-hmm. They don't even understand how to use the ingredient. Before you try yeah. to bastardize something, try to understand it. The context around the food. Oh yeah, I throw these things together. Now it's Asian, right? Somebody made uh, panchata. Panchata is a cured bacon. Which is like yeah. a... Yung, pero they're thick, right? They're not like thin slices of the usual bacon we get here. It's salt-cured uh, bacon. They mm. put the kochukaru, okay. which is a Korean chili flake. They called it the Korean panchata. What element of that is Korean? <laughs> Korean kind of chili flake, does, yeah. that doesn't make it Korean. That's true. If, if I use French eggs, that uh, means it's a French omelette. No, it's not. So you're saying that they're not quite on the mark when it comes to capturing the essence of, let's say, a certain ethnic food. <laughs> they just go about it anyways because they can do whatever they want. Well, because they think they're superior, right? The, like, the French cuisine is superior. But there's, there's a lot of people that I know that actually pays respect to ingredients, techniques, and flavor profiles. Right? That's good. Good for them. So you think it's a little bit of culture around commercial cooking, let's say, um, in the restaurant business. Is it one of your bigger challenges working with different kinds of people with different cooking techniques? I don't see it as a challenge. I see it as a chance to learn. If they make a mistake, that's still that's still me learning from their mistake. Yeah. Like whatever they're doing wrong is like I learned that. Oh, that's something that I shouldn't do. Yeah. You learn from every experience, good or bad. It's still a learning experience, yes. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I want to ask, since we both know that in a business sense, like if you're actually selling to people Filipino food, the methods, the processes for cooking for each dish can be so different. Unlike something when you sell Vietnamese noodles, for example, sometimes you use the same broth and you just, you know, switch up the meats, switch up some ingredients. And from a cost perspective, parang mas efficient siya, right? Unlike our foods. Actually, what can you say about impossible. that? It's not impossible. Set oh. it up in a commercial sense. It just depends on the person making it. You have to set up mm. your kitchen, set up your ingredients and your menu to be efficient. That falls on the chef, not really on the cuisine. You can ah. make adobo every single night or make adobo just today and then tomorrow it's going to be a different thing. So it's up to the chef to adapt to that setting and it, it will be fine. It will work. Yes, pho is like, like what you said, same broth. We do the same thing for making ramen. We do the same. We can do the same thing for making our lomi or mami. Same broth, same noodles. It's different toppings. You want special with it look. But that doesn't so much happen in Filipino food. But still, it's possible to work through that. 
right? It's possible. You just have to set it up like that as a chef.、Mm, I see. Because a lot of so, Filipino restaurants are thriving, right? That means、mm. it's possible. You mean like in gen、uh, in general in North America, right? Not just general, North within North this area. Although, what can you say about how broad the audience is of Filipino of these thriving Filipino restaurants? Do they tend to be just almost exclusively catering to Filipinos, or you see the audience broadening quite a bit, opening up quite a bit to people of different backgrounds and that kind of thing, different cultures? That would depend on the place. We are more forgiving here in Edmonton and Alberta、yeah. in general. Everyone's making everything. Although most、yeah. of them are bastardized, and it hurts me, but everyone's <laughs> making everything. You lie. <laughs> Actually, you find like since there are people people you've worked with before bastardizing some ethnic dishes. How do you confront these situations, or do you even ever correct them? I would try to. Just don't. I would tell them, don't call it what it's not. Call it what it is. Do they listen? It depends. <laughs> it's hard. Like, don't call it adobo just because you think it's adobo. Like, or don't call it Filipino adobo. Give justification、yeah. to the dish.、Uh, don't call it asatay or asatay if it's just chicken marinated in whatever sauce you have. Whatever they come up with. <laughs> just because it's a skewer and it's chicken、yeah. doesn't mean it's chicken satay. It has、yeah. to be. It has to have that element that makes it satay, or it has to have that element that makes it adobo. I don't know.、I've, I don't know if you've heard of this place. Some people tried to tell me to cook adobo with calamansi. Wow. I mean, it, it's possible, but it's not gonna be adobo for me because if you substitute vinegar with calamansi, that's bistec. One ingredient. It's everything else is the same, just a different kind of acid. It's bistec. That's a Filipino person saying that to you, right? No, right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, there's no way that's happening. No. Maybe some parts in the Philippines use it for adobo. And call it adobo. Maybe, right? <laughs> I didn't know that happens. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell me something that I've been doing my whole life and just have an opinion on it. Oops. At least for me, that's a different, a completely different dish. I think it's the same for every cuisine. For Italian,、okay. don't call it marinara. It's not marinara. It's tomato sauce. I thought they're the same. Because marina marinara is like sauce from like, like a seafood sauce. Okay, I didn't know that. It's either you call it tomato or pomodoro. It's it's not just us. Like everything is like. But they do it in other cultures. They do it in every other culture. If it's not French, eventually.、Yeah. <laughs> don't call every Indian dish curry because not everything is curry. Yeah, that doesn't even exist、oh, yeah. in their language. It's also almost coming from a place of、um, lack of information. I would say ignorance. And also, I think that there's more of the again, you mentioned it before, the Eurocentric perspective. So、uh, the authenticity in ethnic cuisines are are out the window. They're only looking at it through that lens,、yeah. and without consideration of the people who actually came from those cultures. Yeah, that that's exactly what it's like. Ignorance is the, a matter of fact. Like they don't know the thing,、mm-hmm. and they don't care if they know or not. In that、okay. given situation, makes it makes it hard for us because they set up the standard for our cuisine. We'll make this.、Oh. This is this this. They commercialized our cuisine, and、yeah. that became the standard that most of the people know. 
And then when we give them authentic Filipino or Chinese or Japanese, they're gonna be like, this is too spicy, this is too too salty. Exactly. It's funny how they judge your cuisine being too much that, but actually, in fact, you are trying the way we cook things, the way we make things. It's a, they're a little bit closed off. I mean, closed-minded when it comes to that. Some of them. I wouldn't say all, but some of them, yes. Well, I'll be guilty of it that our food is saltier and spicier or has more flavor. Yeah. Because we eat it with rice. Rice absorbs all the flavor, so it's fine. Maybe tweak it a little bit, but don't tell us to like it should be sweet or whatever. Because that is not yeah. a standard. That is someone else's standard that you talk whatever interpreted yeah. our cuisine to you. Exactly. On that subject of Dibanga, we're uh, broaden our horizons, you know, hopefully cater to a group of people besides ourselves. Meron din kasi dito sa West, it's more considered than, let's say, sa Pinas. Kasi parang, I remember back in the day, allergy necessarily something you hear a lot. You don't really hear people getting allergy, their airways restrict, and it could actually be life-threatening. So something like with peanuts, it's a very common allergy here in North America, unlike sa Pinas. When it comes to our food, we do incorporate some things that are allergens to quite a bit of people here. So, how do you think Filipino restaurants adapt to these allergic restrictions dahil religion or, you know, like just stuff that can't... So, how, how do you think we should adapt to them? Or do we adapt to them at all? Or even preferences when it comes to healthier alternatives, something for the vegans, something for the pescatarians. Well, Filipino cuisine has a wide range of everything, right? We can make vegan dishes. There's actually a lot of vegan dishes that are Filipino. That you you wouldn't think of that they're vegan, right? Yeah. Can you give us examples? Because right off the bat, I wouldn't think of it that way, no. You have, for vegans, you can have vegetable adobo or whatever kind, straight up sitaw. Or you can make ginataang gulay or diningding or pakbet minus the bagoong. What's the difference between diningding and pinakbet? Tomatoes. Ah, okay. That's that's in a household, that's the difference. Yeah. And vegetables or whatever kind of vegetables goes in there. Our pakbet, even in Tarlac, you'll have pakbet that is going to be a little bit more orangey because of the tomatoes. And diningding is a clear broth. It's like sinigang, it's a clear broth. <laughs> yeah. Or tinola, so something similar. The broth is kind of clear. If you put bagong, it's not vegan. But you substitute it with salt, then it will be. And for allergies, it's a funny thing. Like most of our dishes are gluten-free, right? We don't eat a lot of gluten in Filipino cuisine, but we don't have gluten allergy. Like there's a lot of we're so used to eating like not eating gluten because flour is not as prominent as rice. I haven't seen a lot of people that have gluten allergy in the Philippines, but here it's it's mostly bread, pasta, all kinds of flour, right? But they like a lot of people have gluten allergy. Yeah. How does it make sense? That's the main thing in your diet. That weirds me out a little bit because I thought the more exposure general, huh? The more exposure you have to something the less you're likely to kind of overreaction or... Because yeah. I don't think they... Hmm. It's their diet. Yeah, that's an interesting... Yeah. I don't know what's I... with their diet or... Yeah, I, don't, I can't explain that thing, but I don't know what's in their diet that makes them allergic to a lot of things. Actually, I also read from that that, let's say, at, at least with the modern landscape food in the North America, the food is a lot less than, let's say, Kulanis for example. 
processed foods. Like they have so many things in common with each other. Most of the North American diet is focused on carbs than on veg. They're mostly focused on meat. Oh yeah, and meat too. Yeah, carbs and meat. Yes. It's mm-hmm. a certain kind of starch that makes North Americans crave for more uh, potatoes and uh, bread. Mm-hmm. I think it's not good for the environment because they grow one kind of corn, one kind of potatoes, one kind of uh, wheat. It's like basically monocropping, right? Are you particularly talking about ecological sense na parang since there's a lack of diversity of strains of crops na parang mas ano siya mas taxing siya sa environment apples kunware since that industry is very commercialized what used to actually be like a variety of 5000 apples let's say um, that's just an arbitrary number of kinds of apples that north let's say the US can grow but then they focus so much on five or three varieties of apples then these are all the only ones that dominate the the apples that they grow the other ones kind of go not, I want to say extinct but really close kasi nga not being paid yeah. attention to it kills the land yeah it's the monocrop industry kills the land because you're doing the same thing it's same with corn you can only mm-hmm. find one kind of corn here which as far as i know there used to be like a lot of varieties of corn in mexico they still they're still trying to like revive every type of corn that they can because that's the globalization part of it you want to produce one kind of thing more efficiently than anybody else so you only plant one kind of thing and then you yeah. can sell it to the whole world do you think the basis of that is more on the volume yield costs uh, different different factors especially cost it's going to be more mm-hmm. cost effective to just grow one crop more efficient to ju- to just grow one crop because you don't have to tend to like 15 different kinds of corn which needs different kinds of moisture different kinds of nutrients and yeah. more profit because you can sell more of one kind to the whole world uh-huh. basically like the agricultural industry around the world globally it's almost monopolized so there's really not much room for local growers to diversify the crops they grow because with the global companies and the cost like it's cheaper for consumers to buy the ones that are you know yung mass mass, mass produce. produced yeah yeah that took a sad turn yeah but that's the reality of the food industry for us hey it's not good it's sad but we have a lot of yeah. local growers here do you know have- which is which is good get fresh vegetables all around here oh yeah it's actually cool here around Edmonton at least including Calgary but um farmers markets like are a big thing especially over the summers and we still have them over the winters oh hopefully it'll be all year round <laughs> yeah given our climate the weather yeah weather and climate So actually, veering a little bit away from the more agricultural aspect of food, when it comes to promotion, not just the Filipinos, but uh, people around the world, people from different backgrounds and that kind of thing, do you think by the Philippine government promoting more formally for us would help us, would help Filipino cuisine to be more internationally recognized for what it is? Because I feel like it's underrated. I think Filipino food is really good. It's just that for some reason it's, it's not quite getting, uh, it's not oh, quite becoming a hot item. It will be in our mm. time. Pretty soon. It's just nobody else will help Filipino cuisine to flourish except Filipinos or someone who has like 
passion for Filipino food. It's hard that the mentality of even Filipinos, they won't even buy Filipino food or go to Filipino restaurants because they would think that they could just cook it at home. Don't just go there just because you cook it at home. Go there and eat there if you think that you would recommend it to other people. If you could introduce someone to your cuisine through that restaurant, then go there, support them, right? Mm -hmm. Because we have this notion like that Filipino food should be cheap. How are we going to reach that height if we have to accommodate to that price? We're not we're not going to reach gourmet or fine dining. We're not going to be at the same level as Japanese food, at least if yeah. we're not upping it. Like, we have to put up the price a little bit because we need an experienced cook who mm. actually understands what you're cooking, right? Not just somebody yeah. who co-worked at Joey's or Sawmill that they think <laughs> they can cook Filipino food. Training-wise, it takes money f- out of the owner's pocket already. Best ingredients as much as possible that you want to get takes money from the owner. Every little thing adds up. It's going to be the same food cost, yeah. probably higher than the staple cuisines that we have because some of our ingredients are much expensive or harder to procure from other countries. Exactly. I don't translations English, but we natin yung kapwa natin, which is so unfair. Especially when you know how it's made. And as you said, it's hard to procure these ingredients for the price. Because they think labor is cheap. Ang gusto lang nilang bayaran is the raw ingredient. They don't want to pay for the experience of the cook. Blood and sweat of the cook, basically. Passion of the cook, they don't want to pay it. I mean, honestly, it's almost reflective of our current economic situation sa Pinas. Minimum wage is pretty bad. Forget that labor is time, and time is money. If you want to take time out of my life, you have to pay me for it. I'm not willingly giving it to you. I'm doing it for a price. And even if you're friends, it shouldn't be that way. It's a business. Uh, one of the problems here. Yeah. I get anywhere on discounts and stuff. Yeah. Maybe in the future, you don't have to ask for it. I'll give it to you wholeheartedly. If you're gonna ask for it, it's just a couple mooks. The audacity. So it's agent. In the social media space, what strategies, let's say, as restaurateurs, how do you address making Filipino food appealing to, let's say, like a big market will be millennials? Because I think 20s to your early 40s is kind of your prime working age where people would be okay to pay for things, they enjoy things here and there. How, how would you go about media, engagement, advertising? To make Filipino food more elevated. Like, do you find it challenging in terms of presentation? Presentation-wise, it's I think it's the easiest part of it as a chef. Oh, really? Or as a cook. I wouldn't have thought otherwise. That's that's the easiest yeah. part of marketing something. The hardest part is mm-hmm. getting people to look at what you're making. You need to make enough noise in social media everywhere to get people to look at what you're doing. You need the right people to do it, the right people to like advertise for you. But it's hard to like depend on influencers. I don't think they would do give justice to what you're making. They would ask mm-hmm. for free stuff and stuff like that, but it doesn't guarantee you anything. It's trying to invest on something that's not feasible, something that's trying to invest in error. So would, wouldn't you at least agree that going through that route, through influencers, Instagram, maybe Facebook even, that kind of thing, wouldn't that be at least a step towards a positive direction? 
Well, it may not be absolutely that way, but somewhat. What do you think? It could be a start, but the best thing you can do is team up with other restaurants, be each other's influencers, cross marketing, do whatever you're doing, like what you're good at, and promote the promote the other restaurant, promote what they're doing, or whatever they're good at. Have friends that own restaurants and stuff. They uh, cross market each other, like yellowed ice cream from Edmonton and yes. Philly sticks. Yeah, yeah Philly sticks carry yellowed ice cream, like for their dis- yellowed ice cream, or like give out uh, gift certificates for Philly sticks. Create your own community, like know your community. That's very true. Because I remember, because since you mentioned Philly sticks in university, in one of the buildings, aside from what they already offer like the rice bowls, like their vegan or vegetarian options, they're special for the day. They also actually sell yellowed ice cream and that gave me a chance to sample their products without having to go into their physical store in White Ave, which can be a little bit of a hassle, but it's a good way to be able to try new things from other restaurant businesses that I may not be aware of. They have another style, cross-marketing. You know the um, slaw that they sell in Philly Sticks, right? Like, where mm-hmm. did that come from? Was that like something they just made up from scratch and it's not really based on like Filipino dishes? Because I don't think it is, but I'm not really sure. I'm not sure where it came from, but it's good. I would say it's Filipino. It's something fresh, right? It is a salad that adapted to what people would like here. And it gives an overall nutritional balance and textural interest to the rice bowls as well, I feel like, eh? Mm-hmm. Everything should be like in one bowl, right? Yeah, there exactly. Be in a complete <laughs> Mix bowl. it up and good to go. Which is good, right? Both businesses are uh, benefiting from what both of you are doing. Mm-hmm. That's what most of the Filipino, because we're talking about Filipino restaurants or Filipino businesses. I think that's what we should do. Help each other. Don't set your target okay. to just Filipinos. How would you go about that? Because you're saying not just to market to Philippines. How have there been attempts to cross market with another restaurant that's not necessarily Filipino? I think it's more Western type of food select offer to get food featured. Edgar from Canton 98 has been part of Hot Chefs Cool Beats, which is like a fundraiser for culinary students, like high school students that want to go to a culinary school. And Nate, Edgar has been part of that. Edgar Gutierrez, owner chef of uh, Canto 98. He used to be mm-hmm. chef owner of uh, Rostizado and Tres Carnales. Oh my gosh, that's why he's so familiar. Now he wants to focus on Filipino food. He did so much for Mexican cuisine. Now he wants to do the same thing for Filipino cuisine. That's why we're all here. I agree. Actually, I remembered nung time na naandun pa siya, they actually have in their menu Rostizado creme brulee, which is basically our leche flan. Uh, yeah. well, well, creme caramel? Creme caramel is our leche flan. Menu, they call it creme brulee. But when I had it, when I had it for dessert, I'm like, oh, that's leche flan. Maybe there's a little bit of tweaks here and there, but it's pretty much what it is, I'd say. Well, I would say it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Creme brulee is just different kinds of sugar. You you, you have uh, brulee sugar for creme brulee, and then Yay. leche flan is, we have caramel sauce. But the custard but in yung, between is the same. Yeah. Because diba, on the creme brulee, you're talking crystallized sugar. So it's, I don't want to say crispy, but it's, it's um, brittle. It's a uh, brittle, yeah. It's yeah. torched sugar. Unlike you sat in sauce. Glass. You can use the same recipe for custard for leche flan and creme brulee. 
It's just different ways of cooking the sugar. Crumbly is from Spain, isn't it? The term is French, but they make flan too. Flan is the one that we have. In French, they call it creme caramel. So it looks exactly the same as our leche flan. Or if you're Vietnamese, you call it ban flan. We use the Viet. Is that Vietnamese? Ban flan, yes. It's the same as our leche flan. Like probably different. Like, like exact same. Like the method of cooking it is exactly the same. Probably different uh, mm-hmm. flavorings because we put flavorings in ours and stuff. But it's essentially the same. So previously we touched on how UK for certain in the future Filipino food will become pretty big and hopefully become a household staple for Western households. We're not quite sure what the projected time period would that would be, but I would say within our lifetime, yeah, in the next ten years. Oh yeah, that's, that's how fast we're going. Yeah, that's progress. Because I mean, if you're saying lifetime, I don't want to be like already fifty years old and we're just getting there. That's very slow. It comes. From your perspective, having come from from the restaurant industry, how do you think Filipinos should you you guys? I mean, how do you think about tweaking Filipino food in order for it to be as big as let's say Chinese and Korean food here? And what the menu will look like? What would be our best sellers? What would be hits? For it to be big, we have to buy it. Like how are Studying we? Studying gonna- Yeah, Sarilia. Support Filipino businesses, but I think our biggest thing for Filipino cuisine is like our rice bowls too. Yes, it's a quick go, a quick fix if you're hungry or something. It's healthy, like rice, gluten free, easy. You can make it plant based. You just get rice and whatever vegetables yeah. you can have. And then grilled yeah. food. There's hundreds of varieties of grilled food in the Philippines from back yeah. home. Yeah. We can advertise to everyone. It's easy to eat too. Yeah, because walang himay. You don't have to tinker with it and get the parts out from the bones or from let's say fish bones even. Yeah. Actually, on that matter, do you think in order to market competitively here in North America, let's say. Do we have to be more aggressive in labeling our food as oh we sell Filipino food or maybe a little more subtle about it so it's more palatable at least initially? It depends on the person you're talking to, but I'm a pretty aggressive person. <laughs> so I would go aggressive in marketing stuff. Oh. I want you to know that this is what I'm t- I'm giving you, right? I don't want to sugarcoat it. Like it tastes like this. No, I don't want to give them references. I want us. I want Filipino food to taste like Filipino food, not taste like Japanese food or like gonna taste like Chinese noodles or Vietnamese pho. I don't want it to taste like that. I want it to taste like yeah. Filipino food. I want us to be the standard, not them. So you're saying, on your part, you want to stand your ground and that identity that this is Filipino food and you will like it instead of oh yeah, you know, it, we have to adjust to their taste. It has to be this. It has to be this way to the point of almost obliterating the Filipino elements of it. Like what we're talking about, I don't want Filipino. Like I want to create from Filipino cuisine that is not bound by tradition, right? But I want this to be Filipino food. I don't want it to be compared to any other else. If you want to be someone, you have to create your own standard. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. your standard should be Filipino cuisine. This is Filipino cuisine, not French or Japanese or Chinese or Thai or Mexican. Wouldn't want to be a knockoff of someone. No, you wouldn't. But then it would. You would always be a knockoff. Yeah. You don't want to be the sidekick. You want to be Batman. All right. 
before we come to the end of the episode is there anything you would like to let our listeners know any messages for them or anything you would like to give them a piece of advice for what is it gonna be for you well right now i would just tell them support your filipino farmers filipino uh, growers filipino restaurants filipino businesses in general it doesn't matter where you are no one else is gonna support it if our own people are not gonna support it no one else is gonna know about it if we're not marketing it ourselves it's it's a little help to everyone yeah and then maybe in your lifetime too or in your grandchildren's lifetime will be better than french cuisine yeah that's the goal i hope we get there all right that's it thank you so much for your time today it's a pleasure to have no pleasure is mine oh okay that's good that's good to know and that was mr adrian carillo for today's episode and i thank you for supporting and listening to our podcast once again this has been Catherine for ripples with words making ripples one voice at a time see you again bye bye If there is any topic or subject you would like us to talk about, please let us know by tagging us on our Facebook and Instagram by typing the hashtag RipplesWithWords and follow us on our Facebook and Instagram pages under the handle RipplesWithWords. Once again, use our hashtag RipplesWithWords and let's talk about that flavor of life that you want.